0: Welcome to the Living A Stream podcast, where we chat about movies, shows, documentaries, anything we watched on one of the many streaming platforms out there.
1: Hosted by people who are living this dream, our own or someone else's, watching
0: things on a stream, our own or most likely someone else's. We choose a platform and then a genre for each episode and a section of the platform, such as Just Added, Critically Acclaimed, Horror, Thriller, Comedy, etc. And then we discuss that movie, show, or documentary using the Jimmy V 1993 SB speech rubric.
1: If the movie made us cry, think, or laugh, whether tears of joy or sadness,
0: then it's a full movie. And I'm one of your hosts, Eric Harrison. And I'm Josh Perez. And this episode's platform is Netflix once again. And then the section and genre is documentary. And today we are talking about Unknown Cosmic Time Machine. But before we get into that, Eric, I want to ask you what you've been up to and how's life been. But first, I just need to uh, yell at you about something for a second, because last episode, you you gaslit me, man. You were like, I, but t- what? <laughs> you t- I told you I went to Albuquerque. For a week for 4th of July. And you're like, yeah, dude, you didn't even see me. We didn't even hang out. And I believed you. I was like, you're right, dude. You just poured all this shame on me. I was convinced. I was like, dude, you're right. I went all the way back and I didn't even talk or hang out with Eric. That is so messed up of me. And then I realized I did. We went to Flying Star. Because I remember I got huevos rancheros and we hung out at Flying Star for lunch. (laughs) And you and we, yes, we definitely hung (sighs) out, dude. Because I remember too, I was trying to use uh, Photoshop's AI stuff like, because they have that AI feature now. And I was going to try yeah. to Photoshop me or you out of the photo and do my usual like, yeah, Eric asked me to get lunch and then just didn't show up and I had to eat by myself. And so we were, I, we definitely hung out, dude. You owe me an apology.
1: I'm never going to apologize for that, but I just went in my phone and found a picture literally July 5th at 11.35 a.m. of you and I at Star. Gosh. That I posted on Instagram too. Oh my God. So let me tell you I guess I guess that
0: you and me. I I had myself convinced that I didn't see you. <laughs> it was it was so convincing. I mean, I guess Oh my God. Not that I want to give you any 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 fairness here, uh, but I guess there has been times where I may or may not have gone to Albuquerque and we didn't see each other. So maybe that's what was going on. It was more of a trauma response. But um but yeah. Is that even true? Like if we looked at photo evidence. Could it all be a lie? And
1: maybe we did see each other most. Time. That's insane. That's I insane. swear to you, I had no.
0: <laughs> That's messed up. We,
1: we planned this podcast at that lunch. Yeah, I like, true. Like we decided, oh my
0: God. <laughs> and we said, you know what? Let's pull the trigger and start doing this. So I just want to say one of my full days was with that I laughed and then I thought about it for a long time until I got to tell you it right now. And then I did, was I was moved to tears when I realized, you lied to me and uh, <laughs> that was all a lie
1: and you actually like sincerely apologized too in the last episode of like man i'm sorry you know i i, I should i should have next time i'm there i'll see you
0: i know now next time oh. i'm just gonna i'm gonna tell you to show up to flying star on on far we're the furthest one from where you are at and not show up that's insane
1: I'm actually flabbergasted right now. I was like, there's, he's lying to me. Like, maybe you stop by the house for five minutes. But nope, there it is. It's literally clear as day. Nope. It was a oh my God.
0: Nope, I'll get that apology one day. But with that, now that we cleared the air, and we can start today with a clean slate. Yeah, dude, what have what you been up to these last, uh, last week? Oh, that's
1: amazing. Well, since the last episode, uh, we saw Under Oath. Oh, no way. I actually saw your story. That was super fun. We weren't going to go. I saw them earlier this year. VIP. Kelly got me VIP tickets to meet them because they're my favorite. And I was like, it's like 80 bucks. I'm not sure I want to spend it again. And then my buddy messaged me 10 minutes before the show. He was like, hey, man, got a couple spare tickets. You want to use them? And I was like, oh, absolutely. So lots of fun. Did some volleyball with some friends on Sunday night. The kids played at the playground right next door. So that was really fun. Like one of those like good summer nights you know like okay. kids are on the playground we're all playing volleyball having some food some drinks till the sunset like that kind of just full summer night. so that was a blast um yeah and then the concert man lots of fun do you are you a
0: concert guy you like concerts i do i do like concerts i i i didn't go to a lot until like junior year and then i was b- bullied by my friends and forced to uh, go to a concert. My first concert, and I had which work- was who? I had work. I don't want to say because now it's going to sound like wait, what? That was your first concert, and now you- tell us who? It was 2008. It was prime years. It was when Kanye was was you know <laughs> doing his Golden Child tour or whatever that Golden Star tour. So, dude, it was Kanye headlining with Lupe Fiasco, Nerd, and um. I forget. There was probably one other person, but I got to see Here in Albuquerque? In Albuquerque. At at the time, it was, um, was it Journal? Because now it's called something else. It's called Asleta. Asleta? Yeah. What? So, dude, and Lupe doesn't even really tour it anymore. I don't even think he does that anymore. It was that anymore. Push. Yeah. Hip push. Flashing line. Dude. Push, dude. And then Pharrell with N.E.R.D. I don't know, dude. And I was all complaining, dude. It was worth almost getting fired from Dion's because I was, I had work and, uh, Earlier in the week, you can put up your shift and say like, hey, does anyone want to pick up the shift? So I did that because I needed to get off and no one picked it up. And then I called in, quote unquote, like sick or something. I said I had a family event and I couldn't even go to that. And I was sick. My manager interrogated me afterwards and I was like, oh, I'm for sure getting fired. But it was worth it, man. Like that is it was a crazy first concert. But so since then, I started going to concert all the time because speaking of Under Oath, my friends got me into that whole scene. Like, the I didn't really listen to much of, like, what is it? Hardcore, like, Screambow and yeah. all that. But Under Oath, Sayosin, well, you might have been there. It was, oh, wait, we I might have gone with you. Remember with uh PupukakaPeePee is his handle? Uh, <laughs> we went to Under <laughs> Oath, Sayosin, uh, Devil Wears Prada. Um, at Sunshine? At Sunshine, yeah. And with Jared yeah, Chavez. I, Jared, and, yeah, yeah, Jared forced me to go. Yep. Yep. So, anyways, that was, the, like, the... That was my um, gateway into concerts. Now I go every now and then, but not it as. Great. We're not going to bury the fact that you went to see Kanye. I, we're not burying that. I know dude. that was prime years. That was it prime, was prime Kanye. I know, years. I know. I feel though. kind of ashamed now because you know he's a little more than problematic. Like but uh, but yeah, <laughs> he's a, not a good person. But here's the thing, dude. Yeah, that was my first concert. I can't change that. It's a memory I can't change. That's amazing. Okay, so you went to the concert, you got to do VIP, or not this time, but you were there.
1: Not this time. But yeah, it was a good, good couple days, good couple days. How about you?
0: Uh, let's see. Okay. Since the last episode, dude, I got, so I got to go do, I've been following, I've been following them for a while on, on Instagram. A lot of people share Scott the Painter. Oh, yeah. A lot of people share his art, and I was seeing it a lot a few years back, so I started following him, and he does this tour called Say Yes, Say Yes Tour. And apparently it's a book, and then he put a like a performance. And I didn't know really much about oh, what nice. it is, but I heard it's worth going to. Uh, and I've had some friends read the book, and they're like, "Josh, you know, have you read this book?" And I'm like, "No." They're like, "He says things that sound like things you would say." And I was like, "Well, I don't know what that means." And and they're like, "I'm pretty sure you know he's Enneagram 4 Ask if anyone's familiar with Enneagram. I'm Enneagram four, but so. As I'm watching this thing, though, he even said in the middle, he goes, I'm an Indie game four, which was hilarious. But it's a it's a it's a performance. It's like storytelling, multimedia. It's conversation. It's interactive. Uh, Liturgy on not giving up on yourself. So it's a little dark, which is Mm, right up my alley. Yeah. Um, I went with a couple friends, dude. And dude, it was like really cool. Like I have this dream of going on tour and playing music, not for the music side or making music side, but so I can tell stories in between songs at concerts, because speaking of concerts, that's some of my favorite parts of concerts, are like the the stories in between that are like, you know, ridiculous or sentimental or emotional or funny, and they lead into other songs. And I was like, I've always wanted to do that. And here was this man who does not play music, going on tour, telling these stories. So I was like, I gotta go dude, it was like, it was, it was a full experience, dude. Like the things that they talked about, like, especially like the whole idea of like, don't give up on life. Don't give up on yourself, uh, to keep going in life and how life can be a gift and thinking about death. But also dude, it was funny. I was laughing and definitely teared up, dude. Like it was emotional. Like it was really, really cool. A very immersive experience. Yeah, dude. There'd be like sound clips. There's Um, Jurassic park, there's dinosaurs, you know, there's art, there's hilarious uh, audience participation and there was live karaoke and I didn't know if they were like plants. It didn't seem like they were plants. I think they were just people that showed up early and then they got asked to do so. It was, it was really cool. We showed up a little late. So, um, we showed up like two minutes before you got started. So it was actually perfect, but it was just getting thrown into this like immersive audio Storytelling, visuals, you know, graphics, all that stuff. It was really cool. Highly, when was I that? recommend? That was this. Let's see, today is Last Wednesday, so it's this past Sunday night, dude. That's yeah. legit. And he just po- randomly pops up in different cities. I don't know. It's not like he's doing a bunch of them. I don't think right now. But if he comes to Albuquerque, man, I think it's worth worth going to. I think I think I follow him and have seen. Yeah, got the, yeah. I,
1: I had no idea. I you know seen his page. I would have had no clue that he does that kind of stuff. Yeah, It was really cool. Oh yes, Say yes. 8.13 Denver.
0: That was me, man. Sunday, 7 p.m.
1: That's legit. Yeah, dude.
0: It was, it was a good time. It was, I was laughing though too, because he had this whole bit, sorry if I ruined this for anybody or maybe it'll help you go watch it. I have no idea, but he was talking about how he had a dream and you know, his name, his handle, Scott, the painter and how he, he was talking about how he's so much more than that. He's so much more than a painter. And I was laughing because that's how I feel about my own social media handle, um, where I was trying to avoid that. But ironically, it turned into this because, and it's really funny too, because um, I follow Levi the Poet, who was sharing Scott the Painter. And I think that's how I initially found them was through Levi the Poet sharing Scott the Painter. And so I was telling Scott this and I told him, you know, and I'm just Josh. because, And I think he thought I was just saying like, oh, it's just Josh. But that is like literally like my whole. Brand. That's your Instagram. That's handle. my Instagram yeah, handle. Yeah, That's yeah. Yeah. my website. That's you know that my my business is Just Josh Limited. So it was just really funny because I was trying to avoid this idea of like I don't do just people like oh your photo Josh or your film Josh or you know your podcast Josh and I'm like no I'm I'm just Josh like I'm all those things and it's very and but ironically it it just comes off as like oh you're just you're just Josh
1: he's like. Okay, I didn't think you were anything. Else.
0: It's just so funny. Anyways, it was it was a good time, dude. Highly recommend. That's fantastic. All right, man. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's jump in. You're ready to jump into the uh unknown cosmic time machine. I knew nothing about about this. This was my first watch. I watched it once. Um I just thought it would be cool because uh the previous episode, you know, we were in the depths of the ocean. And now we're going to be in the depths of whatever the hell's out there. So I thought it would be a fun conversation. So uh, really terrifying. Kick us off, Eric. What are, what are your thoughts? Well, when the whole James Webb telescope
1: photo sensation happened on social media a while back, I was shocked. But I have to be completely honest. And this is not, there's no disrespect to anybody who works in this space. Part of me was like, haven't we seen images like this before? So it took me. And here's here, hold up, hold up, hold up. Again, no disrespect. I'm, I just feel like I'm part of the generation that's desensitized, mm. desensitized to everything. And like, so if something shocking happens, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And then I'm like kind of moving on to the next thing. Okay. So it is that my monkey? dog is literally, that's my dog howling like a human. I know, is that monkey um, though? No, it's bubbles. Bubbles. Calm down. Um, <laughs> So it, the documentary was nice to open my eyes to the scale, the amount of work and finances that went into something like this. And so again, it's not downplaying that, but I just, in a social media age, nothing is shocking anymore, whether it's negative or positive. But anyways, fantastic. The documentary was great. Um, I'll say it felt a little safe, I guess. Okay in the sense, so comparing it to the last documentary, which is all I did, I watched Deepest Breath first in the previous episode. In this episode, the, it, but it's hard when you deal with such a large organization like the ones you're dealing with here. And so again, yeah. like I work for an organization on a much smaller scale, but it's large in the scale of New Mexico, right? So like a $3 billion credit union. Everything is scripted, safe. No one goes off script, even if it's an interview. So in thinking of how they prepared for this, in documentaries, I want a little more vulnerability and something a little deeper, I guess. Not sure how much deeper you get in something like this, but it was very factual. It was great. Um, very technical, but, um, it was, it was, it was great to open my millennial eyes Mm. to the efforts that went into getting the images that just took social media by storm.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah. I'll be honest too. I didn't, Dude, when you, you knew about this telescope before this documentary, I didn't, I'm sure I've seen these photos before, but I had no idea what I was looking at or what this, (laughs) what this telescope, I didn't know we launched any of this. So, um, the James Webb space telescope, I had no, I I had no idea, but, uh, I agree. I mean, it's an hour long and it's not rated. I don't think on Rotten Tomatoes, at least, um, there's some audience scores, some ratings there. They're pretty high, 85% on, on audience, but, um. So I didn't, I don't, I don't think it was making a lot of waves in terms of like critics or like, I don't know, in the documentary yeah. scene, but, uh, I think, I don't know much, they haven't done too, too much, but, um, I thought it was, the image was, the images were, I thought beautiful. Like I did not, Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I don't even remember these images coming out on social media and all the the craze of it, but, um, it was really cool seeing it uh, in this documentary. But dude. I will say I didn't know I didn't know much about the Big Bang. And, you know, obviously just from school and elementary school, they're like, the Big Bang happened. That's the beginning of the universe and all that. But it did make me think about I don't know if you're familiar with um, Scott Adams. He is the creator of Dilbert, but he wrote a book called God's Debris. And it's a it's a thought, he calls it a thought experiment. And it's it's fictional. He does funny, like Dilbert's like Sunday paper comics, right? Like it's like a funny paper yeah. thing. But this dude, Scott, wrote this, this thought experiments thing. And he talks about a lot of different ideas, is like this young man meets this old man who apparently knows everything and every like everything in the whole world. They call him the Avatar, and he knows the answers to yeah, literally everything. So they have this conversation about life. And one of the things they bring up that I thought was interesting that this made me think about was this idea of, so they say God's debris. So if God exists and he exploded, like he himself exploded, uh, whoever God is, and that was the big bane, was the, the explosion of God, and then God's debris, like we are God's debris, Earth is God's debris, the universe is God's debris, and they're remnants of this divine figure, and now through people, we're piecing together God, like if there was one thing that God couldn't do would be to explode, and then the next thing they couldn't do would be to piece themselves back together, and anyways, so I was thinking about that, because I never, I thought it was fascinating document in the sense of this the title the thing that intrigued me was the title of Cosmic Time Machine like moving yeah. back in time and going they're like hey let's let's get this telescope so we can take images of history that already happened and that was mm-hmm. a weird you know mind bending exercise to to be like wait we're going back in time to take pictures of something that already happened but we're going to take them in our real time, and then share them in our re- t- real time, even though, you know, I, I know light, it takes a while to get light somewhere, and that's the whole idea, is like, you're moving back in time and light and all that stuff. Or, but that, I thought, was fascinating. I was thinking too much about God's Debris, the Big Bang, time machine, and all that, but um, that pretty much occupied a lot of my <laughs> brain when I was watching this.
1: So, and not to divert totally, but the the description of God's Debris says, it's the number one best-selling ebook. It has no violence or sex, but the ideas are so powerful and not appropriate for readers under fourteen. It's like oh, wow. very clear warning. I was like, "Whoa!" So you read this before seeing the documentary? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. See, that's okay. Not to be confused with Hot Tub Time Machine. When I when you first told <laughs> me about this, <laughs> you know, it's just your brain connects the time, but I. I also could not stop thinking about Interstellar. Okay. And I had read something, and I'm going to have to find the review that, obviously, Interstellar is, is completely fiction, but scientists had said that some of the, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some of the themes, I guess, in Interstellar are not that far-fetched, and it was decently reasonable in some of its ideas about the stress of time and light. And obviously the time travel thing is a whole nother discussion. But I thought that was interesting thinking about interstellar and then looking at this, like, okay, now we're actually doing something along the lines of, like you said, capturing an image of something back in time. But that just is so wild to me. And it's like that conversation I was thinking about too, when people talk about creation and like, Oh God knows no time beginning or end. Yeah. And with light that these, these concepts are too, wild for my brain because i don't understand how that image is back in like what what do we mean by that like i know they explain it
0: but what do we actually mean by that right like yeah it's, it's just a hard concept to grasp. It is dude. Like, right. Cause we, we, we function so linearly, linearly. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so it's, it, yep. there's past, present, future, but what if time, like interstellar, right. Uh, what if time bends or what if we can yep. be in two spaces? And I think often when I think about this idea of God and the idea of a divine figure being outside of time, I do think that that has to me that 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 has to be a part of the equation. That has to be a part of the answer. That if we're moving linear, linearly, I can't say that word. And but it, God can occupy different moments of time. There is no past and, fred, and future. There's just present. But if they if God can be present at all times because time bends or it can overlap, then that to me makes a lot of sense. That there God is watching. The past at the same time he's watching the present at the same time uh god is watching the future but we as people are just moving through time A literally it's just i it's i agree it's hard it's hard for me to even like comprehend because i I'm, I'm sure like like you're saying there there's people out there that are much smarter than myself i'll speak for myself here i don't know about you but there are people out there absolutely much, both of us <laughs> smarter yeah. than me about time and physics but the interstellar thing about someone landing on space all time being relative in gravity, like gravity related. And I I don't know, understand the physics of that, but someone was telling me that, yeah, if you, the further you move away in time, you don't age as fast as the people who remain on earth. And that idea when in interstellar where they land on that planet, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, but um where they aged? they were on there for like 20 minutes, the rest of everyone they knew aged like years. Mm -hmm. It seems possible, and I'm sure it is possible, I just can't explain it to you right now, but uh, I think I believe that. I think I have to, right? I don't know. Especially after watching this. Again, and and
1: that's what's so hard. It's like, you know, not downplaying when I saw those images on social media, but. This opened my eye, the document opened my eyes to the effort it took to capture the images and then the explanation of what the images are actually capturing. Because on Twitter, I'm seeing an image of an ex, like a supernova. I think it was last year. I think it was okay. July of 2022, right? And I'm just taking it at face value of an image of the galaxy. And to me, great, cool. It, but then when you look at this and what it took and... You know, I think it was the Hubble Space Telescope again. I should know these things <laughs> versus what the like the James this James Webb yeah. telescope can capture, and the drastic differences there. Okay, now it's making sense. Now I'm understanding the the shock and awe behind the images. I should say,
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts, man. One of the things that I just realized too is just the amount of money, like you were saying, like your your three billion dollar uh, business or company you work for, right? Like these these people spent. 10 billion dollars on this project outrageous it's not even it's not even like what they are worth or value like you're mentioning about the company you work for but it's 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 how much money they spent on this project and so research money to me is wild the amount of money we're we're pouring into but i think one of the things right we want to know we want to know what's out there we want to you know science and and research and t- these images are stunning and so i think that alone is really cool and i think things that we've never seen before is awesome and uh, briefly they talk about in the documentary at parts about life forms like intelligent life out there Mm, do you you, you think there's intelligent life out there or other inhabitable planets the hard thing for me is okay so they, they
1: alluded to it here and then i was reading this article after i watched the documentary that basically put it In simple terms, like just a hundred years ago, we didn't understand the galaxies that are out there. Now we know there are like billions of different galaxies and out there. So in another hundred years, what are we going to discover? Intelligent life form? That I don't know, but inhabitable planets probably, or some kind of life form. I mean, there has, there has, I don't know. I think there kind of has to be, right? Like I don't think that that's a conspiracy theory. I don't know. Maybe I, I want to believe there is, because to me, that's just this fantastic idea.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's funny, because I think there's a part of me that's like, I want to feel special, right? I want our Earth to feel special, and I want our people and species to be like, yeah, you know, out of all this infinite universe, but it's us, right? But I, there's a part of me that's like, no, like, there has to be, like, how massive and how big, and especially, I haven't been following too much about it, but I've seeing all the memes about that the aliens that they had.
1: <laughs> oh after after that uh, testi- testimony in front of congress? Yes. See, that's the thing is like life forms sure and like and inha- habitable planets sure. Intelligent life form like humans? Pro- I don't know. That's a totally different
0: conversation. What about more intelligent. I think, think there have to be some evidence, right? At this point? Yeah, I don't know. That's the other thing. I have no idea, dude. I, you know, we're apparently billions and billions of years old, the planet, all that, like the universe. And so it, it's okay, wait, is it boggling. true
1: that we haven't, that we haven't
0: discovered yet? Ev- like we think every creature in the ocean, like we still don't know, right? Dude, I don't think so. Like, dude, the ocean to me is more terrifying than space. See, if, if we haven't even discovered what takes up the majority of our own planet, we, like, we can't make solid no claims That's on this true. I think, I don't quote me, I'm gonna say this, but I haven't done any you know, research or anything, but I'm pretty sure, <laughs> which is pretty valid, it will hold up, I'm pretty sure that we know more about space than we, knew, than we do about the ocean, and to me, that is, that is a wild, that's oh, a wild thought.
1: National Geographic, which, you know, pretty reputable. Yeah. Right? Despite its size and impact on the lives of every organism, All right, I'm going to try that again. Of every organism on Earth, the ocean remains a mystery. More than 80% of it has never been mapped, explored, or even seen by humans. That's disgusting. We continue to discover new features and creatures every day, but the ocean will never fully be explored. It's constantly changing, and it's important to understand. Oh, wow. That's actually gross to me. Only 5% of the ocean as of 2022 has actually been charted. Up to 20% has been mapped. That's
0: insane. It's 71% of our surface, and we have no idea. It's 71% of our our surface, and is it our bodies are like 72% water? I don't know, coincidence, who knows? Earth is water. That's disgusting, dude. So
1: yeah, there's no way. We'll never, I don't think we'll ever know. Intelligent life form, Yeah. different question. But like habitable planets, some form of life, sure. I just, we have to probably spend quite a significant amount of money to.
0: Honestly, I wonder if that's why we kind of stopped with sp- space exploration, uh, you know, sending astronauts and stuff and, and shuttles up there because they realized that the space that we should be exploring is the ocean, because, which is crazy. I, I, no, thank you. Like the, the, I still, my, my stance stands from the last episode. I don't know why we're messing with the ocean. I don't know what's in there. I don't want to discover what's in there there are creatures like the bloop. Have you heard of the bloop or the bleep or whatever it's called? Like supposedly it's like a, it's sent off a frequency that's supposed to be like several times bigger than, um, a whale, a blue whale. It's that like is supposedly this big old mystery. It's nasty. It's such a low frequency that they kind of believe that it has to be by, it has to be by a, a an animal. But I'm wondering if they, I'm reading the, the Wikipedia, another reputable place that maybe it isn't. That's what it was in 2012. Well, they thought the early speculation was that it was it originated from a marine animal. I'm just saying, dude. If there's things down there that are ginormous like that, just I know maybe they're so just waiting. I
1: have a question. Yeah. Did you
0: like? Well, you already kind of mentioned
1: it earlier. But are you are you good at any kind of? Were you good in science class? Were you good at any kind of? Because I, I just remember. In biology, in chemistry, and anything dude, I was just garbage. I was hot garbage. I was so <laughs> bad i cheated off I cheated off
0: my friends. I just you know that was me like yes, for the most part science i I was stoked about it in like elementary school when you got to make like volcanoes and projects and oh, for days, sure right, and I was excelling in the sense of I wanted things to be cool and and look good, but high school and College, absolutely not, dude. It just declined after, like, chemistry didn't really make a lot of sense to me, and so I think junior year was physics, and yeah, dude, I'll say that I was very thankful for my uh, table mates who um, helped me by allowing me to copy their stuff. But the, see, this got brought up to me after watching
1: Oppenheimer, too. What? Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, just the thought of how bad I am in, in that subject of school or in, in just that realm of science, yeah. right? In physics, I, half the stuff they were saying in that movie, I had no idea. Yeah. They're discussing things in this movie and in interstellar when they're, you
0: know, that, that just right over my head. I appreciate it. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. No, same dude. No, I, I took a biology for non-health majors in college because I needed a science class and. So I took Blue Planet, got a C, which yep. supposedly- You got a C yes, in Blue dude, Planet, Josh? I slept a lot, okay? like
1: Josh, that is, that's <laughs> that's insane. I'm never going to shame someone for grades, but a C in Blue Planet is.
0: I, I know. You just had to show up mostly, right? <laughs> oh, my God. And do one field trip down to the Rio Grande. Um, the, yes, it was pretty bad, dude. And I'm not proud of it. And it's about to get worse because biology for non-health majors- I took it with a couple of friends, Bailey and Cassie, and we got absolutely obliterated in that class. I got like a D, I think, a D or a D minus. And you know, but it, it was not a part; it was like your core, but it wasn't towards your degree, so I was allowed to take that D and just chill. Like I didn't need to retake it, and so I just was like, "All right, I got it done, checked it off. I'm moving on, dude." But I still graduated like a three something, which is pretty impressive considering. I, oh, that's I, awesome. Got D's, you know. Um, it just wasn't interesting, you know. I mean. I Not mean, even a little or bit. Or maybe it was interesting. I shouldn't say that. Uh, I think I just wasn't interested at the time and taking that class with some friends was more than distracting, I guess. And uh, we were just trying to get through college, man. So no, to answer your question, no. I never excelled in, in the sciences. That's incredible. But yeah, dude, I think, I think too, uh, which I thought was... Okay, so this, this documentary, right, that if the lead engineer on it was Mike Menzel, And something that I thought was ridiculous that made me think about is like, okay, obviously he's a very acclaimed person. He's leading this project. He's very smart. He's very successful. When I was a kid, dude, like I used to think in order to be a person of notoriety or make it famous or whatever you want to call it, you had to have a, a, a name that was an alliteration. So Mike Menzel makes a lot of sense. I'm like, oh yeah, as a kid, I would've been like, yeah, it makes sense, he's an engineer and head of a program, Obviously. because his name is Mike Menzel. And I was obsessed with baseball at the time, so I was like, I'll never be famous baseball player, because my name's not Barry Bonds, it's not Sammy Sosa, it's not Mark McGuire, which is an absolute ludicrous thought. Anyways, so when I was watching this, I was like, it took me backwards, like, oh yeah, that makes sense that Mike Menzel is, is, is leading this project, because his, his name is an alliteration. Mike Menzel? Mike Menzel. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that Menzel. right either. M-E-N-Z-E-L. So oh, unfortunately that's for you, and I, right, I just dude, looked
1: up his picture.
0: We'll never, we'll never be that. Okay, here's the other thing I was thinking about too,
1: is thinking of the scale of the project okay. and watching them, because again, that's just my ignorance in this space, is there's so many different levels of, like when you think of just a scientist, right, or an engineer or someone who works on this project, but the people who were hands-on, actually physically putting the telescope together, yeah. those clips. So I said earlier that comparing documentaries, some of them are more more vulnerable than others. There doesn't seem like a lot of risk. There didn't seem in this one, except for those guys who yeah. are physically putting it together. Because of the, and again, the risk is money, right? Yeah. There's there's you know jobs at stake, and there can be lives at stake, and there's a lot of research at stake. But just the the money behind this project, I was when there was the clips of the guys actually physically putting, I forget the material. Um, aluminum foil. No, 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 no. The, they called it something else that was around the gold okay. aluminum foil. Okay. Anyways, I don't remember what it was called, but I was just thinking that's gotta be the worst of the jobs because it's so costly if you make a mistake there. And again, that's when I talk about documentaries that show a little more vulnerability yeah. and risk. I didn't feel that in this one cause it was really just financial. Yeah. Um, I forget what it was called that they attached the gold foil to. Yeah, let me see. I'm going to look it up now.
0: Yeah, I think it 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 was funny to me though and strange that I think that a lot of the stuff that is used for some of this space, you know, apparatuses or contraptions, they literally look so fragile. They look like they're foil. Absolutely. Like you just coating Is that not what it was? In. I don't know. Maybe it is. And maybe I don't understand physics and maybe it literally is aluminum foil and that's why it's surviving out there in space no idea but i agree with you that yeah i think when it comes to documentaries i agree that i i would have wanted a little more yeah vulnerability a little more like there is some aspects of intimacy and aspects of it just not i don't don't know if there was so much at least for me as a viewer maybe it's me personally maybe if i was closer Mm. or more attached to like space and science and in that industry like when i was a kid i wanted to be an astronaut but then that slowly disappeared as i realized i wasn't growing any taller and i'm pretty sure there's like a height requirement to be an astronaut and it was and i just would not ever hit that you know i kind of sound like i'm maybe you know pushing five eleven maybe six foot not even close but i'm i'm nowhere near that um but
1: it was called the sun shield so the sun shield, which looks like the foil, but I guess it's, the material is called Kapton, which is, yeah, it's, alum, it's, it's coated layers of aluminum with dope silicone anyways. But that material, watching them put that together and like unfold, I don't know, man. I just, yeah, too much money, too much money.
0: Oh, it's the opposite. My bad. The high requirement is you cannot be higher than... Than five feet eleven inches, and you have to be a minimum of sixty two inches, which I'm. Oh, so f- it's perfect by. for us. So I'm great. we we should be astronauts. I reject everything I just said. My dream is still here. I'm ready to be an astronaut. But I wonder why you can't be taller. I think it has something to do with fitting in the tubes and maneuvering in the cabin space, or maybe it's a sustenance issue. You know, you need more. You need more food to sustain a, a bigger body. I have no idea. Or like because you're okay. taller. Or maybe heart issues, because you got your blood, your heart needs to get ah. harder to push the blood to your, you know, taller extremities. And so I have no idea, but those are my okay. quick guesses. The other thing I was thinking
1: about is the alien movies. Okay, Covenant specifically came to mind because I like that one a lot. I know people didn't like that one. Have you ever seen Covenant?
0: Dude, I haven't even seen the first one. I'm about to get crucified. Not Covenant. Jake Gyllenhaal, Alien Covenant. Alien, Michael Fassbender, anyway. Yes. And Danny McBride and Naomi. Hell yeah. I see, Catherine yeah. Water. No, I've never seen, I don't think I've seen this one. It looks scary, so probably not. It was, it was freaky. It was
1: really freaky. I, I think it ranks lower than most of the other aliens. Obviously, people don't like sequels or reboots anymore. I enjoyed it a lot, but it's just hard. For- All right, my dogs are having a WWE match. Hey, they're just brawling behind me. Uh, what was I going to say? It's hard for me in documentaries like this where it, didn't, where it doesn't fully engage me. My mind wanders to other films, yeah. like I said. Interstellar immediately came to mind. Alien Covenant immediately came to mind. So like, obviously two forms, two sides of the spectrum, right? Like horror, thriller, and then... Well, you know what? Interstellar was horror to me. Really? I mean, they got When they got back on the ship and realized how much time had passed. Kind of terrifying. And they had left... I forget his name. Their poor buddy... <laughs> I thought he was going to go psycho and kill him. Yeah. Like part of me in his eyes, I thought he was going to kill him. And I
0: thought we were going to go full horror. You know, I, what's his name? That was definitely a missed opportunity, but I, I agree that that idea is pretty horrifying. What's his name? I got to find his name. I feel bad. It's not Mad Damon's character. No. Oh, no. Well, wasn't he kind of a villain in it?
1: Yeah. He, he tries to kill Matthew McConaughey. I think it was Romilly was the character's name played by David Geisey. Okay. Anyways digressing for sure. But yeah, no Matt Damon's character went crazy.
0: Yeah, I but I I agree with you that it this documentary did make me think about a lot of things, but it, it definitely the things I was thinking about took me out of the out of the watch, out of the world of the mm-hmm. unknown cosmic time machine, you know? And yeah, which is yeah, unfortunate in terms of like I cuz it is well made and you know, not to yeah, credit the yeah. creators and stuff cuz there is some really cool things. I think the, the emotion that was shown on the screen, like the people, some of these people, they were saying that they worked on this project for like 15 years of their life. They dedicated 15 years of their professional life to this, you know, and I mean, beyond the money, right? $10 billion, it's, it's, you know, not necessarily their personal money, but money, will find money, will get more money, especially projects like this. I think there'll always be funding, but time is something that people are never going to get back. And these people are giving 15 years into this career and it might not work, right? They had like, mm, what did they yeah. say, like 300, yeah, 344 single point failures, meaning that all these little points have the opportunity to ruin this whole mission, and yet 15 years and $10 billion led up to this. So there was like these aspects of, of sentiment and emotion and going on through the, the people uh, in, in the documentary, and that was really cool to see, uh, in, in their appreciation, like some of them saw those photos and they like cried, and you know they were sharing them. And I think it's probably because they were personally attached to it. And like I said, maybe if I was, you know, on my way there or interested in that, or if I was younger and I like wanted to do those things, I think I could see being more engaged with the documentary. Uh, but I think yeah, just personally the watch. Yeah, I just kept thinking about other other movies or other books or other things and you know going down my dumb when i was a kid thinking that oh i'm never going to be famous because my name's not like josh johnson or something or
1: <laughs> i got to be honest i was sad about my name when i was i think it was middle school cuz my brother's name was vincent so everybody's like hey vince you know it's like joshua hey josh there's no nickname for eric it's just Eric. Wow. Everybody else that I was friends with, it was like, you know, shorten the name, cool nickname. I was so PP hearted for a few <laughs> months. There's like a specific memory I have of being at church. And one of my friends was Michael, but his name was Mike. Mike. You know what I mean? Big Mike. What's up, cool Mike? Mike? Mike. And it's like, oh, Eric is here. Mike Lowry, it, dude. It's just super hurtful. Uh, but I guess the other thing is, I've never worked on a project for that many years. Yeah. So I don't have the same kind of appreciation. As someone else who's in that field, not even in that field, you know, even thinking back to the last documentary, Deepest Breath, or I told you I watched that hundred foot wave. Yeah. You know, the the surfer was trying to accomplish a goal for years, watching the weather, studying the the local lands of Nazare. He didn't make a whole lot of money off of sponsorships leading up to trying to find that hundred-foot wave. Yeah, he made some money. So he was just in it to accomplish his personal goal. And this was a not this is certain people I'm I'm sure had personal aspirations, but it was a large organization effort, a group effort, a worldwide accomplishment. Um, but you know, that's probably why I, if I had worked on something like that, I'd have a deeper appreciation, right. Of saying, Hey, look, we've dedicated, like you said, over a decade to this billions of dollars, investors and the government and people with those large sums of money have put Faith and trust into me, my team, or us, to accomplish this, right so there's different stakes, yeah, but until you've been in that situation, you know the the casual viewer like myself, the ignorant viewer like myself, is like spent a lot of money, got some cool photos that's that's your initial, but this documentary really forced me out of that thinking, yeah into it. oh, it's just you know create photos like we've always seen, and you really get to see the behind the scenes work of it, so that's a good point, yeah, definitely would have a different appreciation just being in that field, but also having put, having a passion project that
0: large. Right, yeah, and, and I think it was one of the people in the documentary that mentioned, um, it could have been the Amber person, the Amber character, but um, there was a character, or a character, uh, there was a person in the documentary that that said that they took one class, one class in like college or high school or something that shifted their entire view, mm. their entire life, and and i thought that was interesting right because it you you have one experience where you're like yeah now i want to dedicate the rest of my life and be a part of this project of over a decade to invest into this because i'm interested in because of one class you know shaping their their outlook on life and that science truly can change the course of history i think is one of the quotes from the from the from the documentary and and I think that there were, yeah, elements of that that they captured really well of like trying to showcase like, yeah, like they're these people that it wasn't, it, it's less about the cool photos and less about, you know, being famous or the money. It was just truly passion. Like they, they, you take one class and it changed the trajectory of their entire life and now they're going down mm. this new path. Um, and maybe it's cause that hasn't really happened to me. Maybe like I know i I've done a lot of different things and I've ventured in a lot of different things. I'm trying to think if I've done anything for like 15 years where I just said, okay, this is no to everything except for this. Um, so I thought that part was really interesting about watching this documentary was seeing a bunch of people who are like, No, I'm giving my entire life to this. Like, if I leave this earth and when I'm done, this is, you know, what I'm this is my legacy or this is what I contributed to, is pretty wild, especially if you're capturing when you really, really think about it, you're capturing the first light or you're capturing the first supposed origin of everything and anything that's ever been is pretty wild. Yeah. That's a good point is thinking
1: about, you know, I don't know, people say college can be a waste or you shouldn't go to college. or I, Look, if you, if you took my time in college and boiled it down, I don't remember most of the classes. I remember a few and like you said, that one moment—I don't—I didn't have a moment to where like, hey, this is my, this is going to be my job for the rest of my life. Obviously, right? Like, I've I've moved jobs, but I did have a class that really completely shifted my thinking on how I approach the world, social justice issues, media. It was a media criticism class with Dr. Washington. Oh, and it was during Occupy Wall Street. Okay, if you remember that. Yep, and. She basically polled the class and was like, who participated in like the local Albuquerque protests or who supports it and who didn't support it. And I was like, while I was at work, I didn't participate and I don't really understand it. And so what she had us do for the entire semester was like, she picked these political issues or local issues and what you, she would ask what you personally supported and then you'd you'd have to switch sides with the class, argue your, the opposite point. And so we'd watch media clips or TV interviews with the president at the time, state your stance, and then she'd force you to switch and argue the opposite opposite position. Okay. And since then, I feel like I've had a, a different perspective when I watch a movie or when I watch a TV show or when I listen to an interview or when I read a, a social issue of trying to have empathy for the opposite point of view. And so that class has always stuck with me because she really forced you into like, okay, here's kind of what your parents have taught you. Here's what your personal belief was based on your religion. Based on your own personal bias or thoughts, now put yourself in the other person's shoes. And everybody says that, but we had a whole semester of it. And she forced you to verbally argue for the opposition, quote-unquote opposition. Okay. And so anyways, that class was that class for me that was like, hey, you may think you have this belief or this stance. Actually take your take some time to put yourself into the other's point of view, and you might even change your own mind. Mm. Um and so anyways, that's, that was the class for me. Again, it didn't sh- send me on a trajectory for career, but I will always remember that class, that professor, because I truly changed my mind on a lot of things that day. And it, you know, the first thing was Occupy Wall Street, understanding what it was about because I was ignorant to a lot of things then. But anyways, that was a class for me that really, to this day, has shifted my thinking. I mean, what is that, 12 years since I took
0: the class? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's wild. it didn't, it didn't, it didn't send me into
1: a career, a career path like this, right? Like, Hey, this is my passion project forever. But it's like thinking of a class that really has stuck with me because most of the classes in college, man, I do not remember. Yeah.
0: I was gonna say that. So that was college. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if a, a college class, I I, a lot of my stuff was psychology. I did do some, my minor was communication. So I think I, I did take some of those, um, communication classes, but yeah, dude, I don't, don't remember too, too much. I did spend a lot of time sleeping as I stated earlier, but, (laughs) um, I will, I, I, one class that I think I think about often that I just never really actually utilized was a positive psychology course with, Mm. uh, I I forget his name, but he was one of the main, um, psychology, him and, uh, Dr. Bruno Gagnon, I think it was his uh, the online professor for psychology. Those classes stuck with me for a long time, but just even thinking about like the power of the mind and about how positivity really impacts uh, the way you live and even continue to live. I know Victor, Victor Frankl, uh, he wrote some books. He's a Holocaust survivor. He wrote some books about, I think he calls it Logo... Logo something. But anyways, it's his own school of thought of around um, thinking and finding meaning and attaching meaning to stuff. And positive psychology, like one of the things they were talking about was this, like you hear these stories, we read this story about someone was on their deathbed and they just wanted to see their kid for the, for the last time. And then their kid had to like travel from like several states, take a plane or train or whatever. And they finally get to the hospital, they talk to each other, they get to see each other. And then the person passed away. And one might think like, that's wild. Like, what's the coincidence that they held on for that exact moment? And realizing like, it's the will of, of they held on to life, like because they wanted to Mm -hmm. see the person. So even if their flight got delayed or they got there sooner or they got there later, they potentially, the person could have died earlier or later. They could have held on longer. But it's this idea of like the way the mind works that can literally keep us holding on to life for those few extra hours, few extra days. I thought that was pretty and fascinating. And I say it's funny for myself because I think I am a pretty like uppity person, but not a positive in the sense of like, I don't think too much, like things are going to go well or like I'm pretty dramatic about a lot of things um, and intense about a lot of things. So that that's something that like it didn't shoot, like I said, it didn't shoot me in a career and maybe I should actually engage in more like, positive uh positive cycle psychology like like we have to like journal about gratitude and write things down and apparently that's like really good and really healthy for you i hadn't done that consistently we had to do it for that that semester and it was impactful and i just never carried it on but it did i have continued to think about that like the power of the mind being able to influence our living our life the way we engage with the world uh is pretty yeah like to 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 associate pain and suffering to meaning, like holding on to life has meaning because they want to see their kid, and it can literally keep them alive mm-hmm. for longer. And I think that's what Viktor Frankl. It's been a while since I read the book. It's Man Searching for Meaning, and then he wrote another book um, that I think I read. But um, the but that that's what he was saying. It wasn't he was he mentioned it wasn't the people that were like the healthiest or the strongest that survived. It was the people that had. Uh, a reason or had a will or they attached their suffering to some sort of meaning and purpose to hold on and continue, continue living, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Oh, that's absolutely wild. yeah,
1: it's funny, those practices they teach you, right? Like journaling, you're like, oh, I didn't, but maybe I should.
0: That's, that's good, man. Yeah, 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 Viktor Frankl, oh, The Will to Meaning was the other book. Yeah, so The Will to Meaning and and The Meaning, uh, Man Searching for Meaning, Um, but yeah. Holocaust survivor, logotherapy—that's the that he founded, a school of psychotherapy that describes a search for a life's meaning as a central human motivational force. Uh, it's pretty interesting, but anyways, yeah, dude. Any last thoughts uh, before we close out here? No, I'd say check it
1: out if you haven't seen it. Uh, if you were part of the craze last year when the images came out, it's definitely worth a watch. It'll open your eyes even more. If you appreciate it more than I did, then you'd definitely appreciate the documentary. But if you were like me and we're kind of an ignorant millennial to the images, then you absolutely should watch it. Open your eyes, open your mind. That's one thing about documentaries is they really will open your eyes to new subjects. Some people, some people are frowned on documentaries, man, but I love them. I love a good documentary that'll it, it forces you into a new world or a new topic that you may not have otherwise understood.
0: Yeah.: No, I agree, dude. I don't. I wish I engaged more. I, every time I'm watching documentary, I enjoy them. they are great watches and I, and I have a good time. It's time well spent, even in this one that I think it's a low recommend for me. Like I think if you have an hour, cause it's, it's an hour and like four minutes. So it's, it, that's the thing hours. is it's short. So it's that, that short. makes it
1: a watchable thing. Yeah.
0: And it is interesting. It's well shot. It looks, it looks beautiful. The shot, the images are, are, are stunning. Uh, the, I think, yeah, I want, I did want, like you, we had mentioned, I did want a little more vulnerability or a little more emotion and draw. And maybe it's, you know a little recency bias because we just came off the deepest watch that was way more intense uh, when it came to a lot of that emotional stuff but um yeah, I think if you are remotely interested, uh, I think it's a, a a good watch it's it is worth a, worth an hour if you're like, oh yeah, this could be a fun i want to I want to spend an hour learning about space and the the James uh, Webb telescope. I think the yeah, it, did, it didn't hit all the notches for me. Like, I, 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 it, yeah. it did make me think, it, there's some things that I held onto that kept me in thought, but most of it was other things that held me in thought more so than the, 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 the documentary. Um, I did laugh a couple times, uh, you know, there, there's some moments of somewhat of humor, but mostly because I thought they were wrapping everything in tin foil. And then, yeah, I, I, I didn't get emotional myself. Like I I didn't get tears really. But um, I think if you're somewhat close, I think it has the capability of being a full watch. Just for me, it just wasn't a full full watching experience. Yeah, agreed. Well, right on. Well, thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of Living A Stream. Uh, This is a Three Milks media production produced by myself and co-produced by Eric Harrison here. And if you want to get episodes sent directly to your email, uh, you can subscribe to our Substack. It's in the show notes below. And yeah, stay tuned. Keep streaming, keep living.